Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You see, these seats are getting longer and longer and longer. And who reads these things anyway? You know, I would rather not take the receipt and have to bring the thing back and argue with you than take the receipt. Amen. Sir, do you have your receipt? No, I don't have my scroll, but you, you need to take <laughs> It's third service. Pray for me. And it's like, so, 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 so there was a redemption there. And, 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 and so the Bible teaches that we are redeemed, not by the spit of our tongue, but by the precious blood of the lamb. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. <laughs> Peter said that. Peter said that in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the, y'all come on, read it with me, precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now let me tell you something else about redemption. It ain't cheap. Amen. Redemption is costly. Peter tells us it cost Jesus his blood. The word precious, it means valuable. It means treasured. It means esteemed. It means without calculation. In other words, Jesus' blood, you cannot put a price on it. Are you listening? You cannot put a price on the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood is more precious than the Hope Diamond. I can't believe four people said amen. It's more precious than the whole diamond. It's without calculation. You can't calculate what it's worth. Think about it. The blood, think about this. The blood that's flowing down the wooden pole. Again, coming into Rome, there are hundreds of people hanging on a cross. And there's blood everywhere. But the blood of this one man, was different than anybody else hanging there. The blood that was flowing down that wooden pole has the power to change a life, the power to forgive our sins, the power to prevail over the enemy. I wonder where my Christians are at right now. The power to prevail over the enemy, the power to reconcile and redeem man to God. This isn't just any blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Point number two, the cross was also a place of rebuke. For who? Mary's sister. Historians tell us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a sister, and her name was Salome. Salome is the wife of Zebedee and the mother of the sons of thunder. Who are they, saints? James and John. Come on, who are they, saints? James and John. Matthew chapter 20, verse 23, 20 through 23. Then... 
the mother of Zebedee, sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? That would be the cross. That would be the wrath of God. That would be suffering and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They said to him, we are able. And so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand, are y'all following me? To sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Jesus basically rebuked her and told her, you don't know what you're asking for. And he rebuked her because her request was fleshy and carnal. I want my sons to sit on your right and on my left. And before you judge, think about this. How many times did we do the same thing? We stand at the foot of the cross or in the presence of Jesus, and we say, Lord, get me out of this, and I'll X. We're at, or we ask for fleshy things. Lord, uh, give me a, a bigger house. Well, your house is already 10,000 square feet, but Lord, I need a bigger house. Lord, give me a nicer car. Well, you're already driving a really nice car. And even if it wasn't a really nice car, it's a car, it gets you, it gets you to church. That's the only place you need to be anyway. Say amen, saints. Y'all need to say amen. It gets you to church. It don't matter what it is. But we ask, James said, the reason why we don't have, because we ask, and when we do ask, we ask for the wrong stuff. And God's not going to heap on you, you fleshy things. You're a flesh monster. You want all the, everything for you. You ask for the wrong things. We do the same thing. That's Salome. And think about what Jesus gave up for us. We're asking for things, but think about what he gave up, what he endured for us, what he suffered for us, what Jesus did for us. And we don't live our lives to please him. That's Salome. The cross for Salome was a place of rebuke. Number three, the cross is a place of responsibility for John. Notice in our text again, Jesus looked at John and said, behold your mother. Jesus looked at his mother and said, behold your son. Now notice John also stood at the cross redeemed and forgiven and restored. Remember when they took Jesus from the garden and Peter followed at a distance, but where were the other disciples? So Jesus obviously restored John and Jesus gives John responsibility. Jesus said, John, watch over my mother. Take care of my mother. You got to understand something here. In Jesus' day, there was no social security, which is probably more like today. Is everything coming around? We're getting right back there anyway. There was no social security. There ain't hardly nothing left now. Say amen. There was no social security in Jesus' day. There was no social services for older people, elderly people, or people that needed help in those days. There was no 401k. There was no welfare. There was no EBT. So the responsibility to care for the family rested on the older son. So when Jesus died, there would be no one to care for his mother. So Jesus said, John, care for my mom. And also remember, John and Jesus, they were really good friends. They were kind of best friends, actually. 
if you kind of look at the relationship in the Gospels. You know, he said, I'm a disciple of Jesus' love, but they really did have a special bond. And so he looks at John and he says, John, take care of my mother. John agrees to take care of Mary. We don't know what happened to Joseph. But what I do find interesting is that Jesus is suffering the most painful experience known to man. He's bearing the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders, and he stops to take care of the needs of his mother. You know, that tells us something, doesn't it? That God cares about the big stuff in our lives. Say amen. And God cares about the little stuff in our lives. Say amen. God doesn't just love you as a savior. God loves you like a father. He loves you like a husband loves his wife. He loves you like a dying son would care for his mother. I love that. And I also love the fact, and I've told you this before, that Jesus is making it clear. Listen to me. Look at me. Jesus is making it clear while hanging on the cross and paying for the sins of the world that families are formed at the foot of the cross. Am I right about that? Families are formed at the cross. Relationships and families are not really about blood. Not really. I mean, sort of, kind of, but not really. I was just at a funeral, and all, of course, everybody, when somebody in the family passes away, everybody shows up. And I'm in a, a house full of people, and I'm like, and who are you? And, and, and oh, I'm your cousin. Oh, well, nice to meet you. Hey, uh, you know, I don't even know some people. So blood doesn't necessarily make you family, although biologically, yes, you are family, but it doesn't make you real relationships and families are formed at the foot of the cross. We are family in this room. If you're a believer, I'll wait while you clap your hands. If you're a believer, we're families. And you know what? I, I never, ever saw that more clear than I did yesterday. We had a wedding here yesterday, and the one of the two, and they wouldn't mind me saying this, uh, one of the two come from um, a Jehovah's Witness background. And because they come from a Jehovah's Witness background, their family would not come to the wedding. Not mother, not father, not brother. I don't understand that. I don't care what religion you are or what you believe. Love is love. Family is family. Nobody asks you to come here and get saved. We, we just want you to come here and sit and support and be quiet. Say hallelujah. Amen. Write that down. Amen. Yeah, you know, and they wouldn't even come. And so, you know, we didn't have the bride side and the groom side. It was just all family. It was about 150, 200 Calvary Chapel people here. And it was awesome, awesome, awesome. And it was just all family because we are family. You're not a father just because you have a child. There are many men who are just donors. And there are many women who are just carriers. You're not a mother because you had a child. You're not a father because you had a child. A family is a unit of people who love and take care of one another. Real families are born and formed at the cross of Jesus Christ. I am closer to many of you than I am to some of my family because of Jesus. We are in this room. Listen, we're in this room because of Jesus. That's the only reason why we're here. We would not be here if it wasn't for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't know me. 
If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't want to know you. Y'all say amen. Amen, pastor. It's because of Jesus that we're in this room. It's because of Jesus that we're, our paths may never, ever cross if it were not for Jesus Christ. But because of Jesus, we're family. Families are formed at the cross. If you're a Christian, you have a big family. And if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to be in the family by giving your life to Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. We're not the us four no more club. Uh-uh. You give your life to Jesus Christ, and you are a part of the family. Point number four, and finally, standing at the cross is the place of reward. I want you to look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. Now, they stood by the cross of Jesus, who saints? His mother. Are y'all reading the same Bible I am? Now, they stood by the cross of Jesus, who saints? His mother. And then look at verse 27. And then he said to the disciples, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. From that hour, John took care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now listen, I'm in my office yesterday. I never saw this before. The Christmas story, if you will, at least in thought, if you will, is kind of in this text. It's in this text. Because you got to wonder, and what I want you to do is I want you to just kind of rewind, if you will, in your mind's eye and take yourself back to Mary in her sandals and put yourself in her sandals. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother. Some lady came to me after service. It was the first time here after this service. And she said to me, thank you for that sermon. Of course, you're welcome. She said, I really never thought about it. She said, but when you said Mary was like, she was a mother. She said, I never really thought about it. She was a mother, like a mother. And I think we forget that the people in the Bible were people. Peter was a real person, and Mary was a mother with a mother's love and a mother's heart. So put yourself in Mary's sandals for a minute. Mary is standing there at the cross and she sees her son hanging on that cross. And maybe in her mind's eye, she travels back to when they lived in Galilee, remembering when she was 16 years old and the angel shows up out of nowhere and says, rejoice, highly favored. The word highly favored means greatly graced. Rejoice, greatly graced one. God is with you. You're blessed among women. You're going to give birth to a child and you're going to make his name and call his name Jesus. And he's going to be great. And he's going to be called the son of the highest. And he's going to reign forever. And Mary said, how can this be? Remember, she's 16 and she's 15. And she said, how can this be? She said, I'm a virgin. And Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will be the father. And she takes off to tell Elizabeth, maybe she's remembering that. And she's remembering as she's standing there with tear-filled eyes as she looks at her son, and she can't recognize her baby. Because Isaiah said his face was so messed up that he was unrecognizable. And they beat him, and they whipped him till the skin. He was hamburger meat when they were done with him. Remember, he took all 39 stripes. Are y'all with me? She can't recognize her baby. 
And so she stands there and she looks at him and tears in her eyes. And maybe she remembers when the census, when Caesar Augustus said, I want everybody to go back to their hometown because we're going to take a census. And she might remember that. She, went, she was pregnant. She was very pregnant then. She was so pregnant, she was ready to pop at that point. And she had to get on a camel and travel 90 miles back to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And I bet you Caesar Augustus probably thought he was in control by having the whole world turn on its heels and go back to their hometown. I don't care where you lived for the census. He thought he was in control, but that was God who was puppeting the affairs of men because it is God who needed prophecy to be fulfilled. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, write it down, but you Bethlehem and Papatha, though you are little among the nations, among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose going forth is from old and from everlasting. Don't y'all understand that governments run nothing. God runs everything. God runs everything. God is just puppeting. The, the governments and the kings and the prime minister and the president is a Puppet in the hands of God. God is like marionette. Just everything that's happening is right on schedule. That's why, Christian, don't you get caught up in these politics because God is in control and no one can do anything unless God allows it. No one can do anything. Caesar thinks, oh, I'm so powerful. I can get the whole world to move at my decree. Nope, that was God wanting prophecy to be fulfilled because Jesus needed to be born in Bethlehem in order to fulfill the scriptures. Well, you fast forward in Luke chapter 2, Mary's standing there, maybe she's thinking, the day that they took Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated for a baby dedication. And while they're there, there's a prophecy given by a priest who's on duty, and his name is Simeon. And the Bible tells us that Simeon is just and devout and, and he's a man of God. And the Holy Spirit gave him a word that he wouldn't die until he sees the Christ. So Mary and Joseph walk in and they hand the baby Jesus to Simeon. And what blows me away all the time is to think this man had the privilege to hold God. Who does that? Holding God. And when he took Jesus into his arms, he said, now I can die because I've seen the salvation of all the people. And Simeon blessed the baby and begins to speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35, Simeon looked at Mary and said, behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoke against, yes, Watch this, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thought of many hearts might be revealed. Well, Mary and Joseph, they thank Simeon, and they leave, and they go back to Galilee. Maybe she's remembering all this. And the prophecy from Luke says, a soul will pierce through, a sword will pierce through her soul. In other words, saints, that means because of this child, Mary you will suffer. Mary, you will suffer. She suffered physically. How does she suffer? 
She suffered physically when she brought Jesus into the world. She suffered shame and reproach and gossip when people found out that a 16-year-old Jewish girl is pregnant and her fiancé is not the baby daddy. She suffered when Herod wanted all the boy children under two dead. That was because of Jesus, because he heard the Jews had another king. And I'm sure that weighed heavily on Mary. She suffered emotionally as Jesus continued to grow. And he, like all boys, began to pull away from mom. You know how that is. One day, I think he was around 12 years old. Mary and Joseph are on their way to go home. And they look around. They go, where's Jesus? When they go to look for, look for Jesus, they go find him. You find a tw- he's a tw- 12 years old. He's teaching the learned scholars in the temple, 12 years old. They find him there, and they say, boy, do it again. I'm going to slap you. Do it again. You stay right here. You don't walk off by yourself. It ain't safe. But, you know, so, so she suffered in that, like a mom and a son and the pulling away. And then Jesus said, Matt, Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? She suffered as she watched him on the cross and the sword pierced his side. She suffered because of the way he died. She suffered where he died. She suffered how he died. She felt Simeon's prophecy, a sword shall pierce your soul. Mary stood there feeling the pain of the sword go through her soul. So Mary and Salome and Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene and John stand at the foot of the cross, probably hugging each other. Get it in your head. Get in your mind's eye. Probably hugging each other. Probably weeping, thinking, that man is innocent. My son is innocent. My nephew is innocent. I'm sure that Mary believed all the prophecies about her son, that he was going to be the savior of the world. I'm sure she believed all that, that he was going to be the light of the world, that he was going to lead Gentiles and nations of people who are going to be saved because of her son. But she's still a mother. And it hurts. I'm a father, and I know how it would hurt me. A mother is tender. Yes, he's going to be the savior of the world. That's awesome. Yes, people are going to come and know Jesus. That's great. But that's my son. And he's up there and he's suffering. And he's beaten so bad, he's going to die. And I gotta wonder at that point, did she just want him to just hurry up and die? Sometimes when you see people in very bad situations, you just say, just, just go. Because it hurts to see them like there. You know what I'm saying? So she's watching her son go through all of this. And he'd done nothing to no one. She's a mother. And why did he do it? He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the world. The babe born in Bethlehem grew up and became a man. Listen to me. If you've been asleep, wake up. Listen. The babe born in Bethlehem grew up and became a man. He was the son of God and the savior of the world. 
And on Christmas morning, listen, on Christmas morning, no matter what you wake up and find under that tree, it will never compare to the gift that hung on the tree. It never will. Jesus really is the gift that keeps on giving. Am I right about that? That sounds trite, but it's true. Jesus is gifted for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm going to leave you with this. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 15, Paul, the apostle said, and thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. So the question is, how do you describe something that's indescribable? How do you describe something that's indescribable? You don't. You accept it. You receive it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.